welcome to Living Truth Ministry Church as we listen in to Pastor Daniel Bome teach on the Word of God. How evangelism works. How evangelism works. How evangelism works. Now, if you really look at it, you're going to find out that the reason why God left the church, like I was telling some group of people, I said, the day you became a Christian, God would have just, after you turned your heart to Jesus, he would have taken you home. But he left you here so that you can enjoy the benefit of the kingdom and also tell and show somebody else what the kingdom is all about. I found out that many Christians don't know what is evangelism. The ones that I know confuse themselves. And there are a little few that have inhabited a bit of an encounter of evangelism. If you and I are going to make an indelible mark and write our name in the prints of time for God, we must understand how evangelism works. Because how it works will open your spiritual ideas on how God operates. It's one thing to be a Christian, and it's another thing to know how to walk like a Christian. I'm going to give us two texts. These are familiar texts. This we book of the Bible. We have talked and read. But I'm going to draw inspiration from those two texts. One is Matthew chapter 28. I will read from verse 16 to t- verse 20. Matthew chapter 28 from verse 16 to verse 20. He said, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Verse 17, he says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven, and in earth, verse 19 says, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20 says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. 
The second uh, text is coming from the book of Mark chapter 16. I'm going to read from verse 15 to verse 20. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 to 20. He said, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up separate. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into the heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord walking with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. How evangelism works. I am going to teach this in three to five stages. But tonight, I am going to lay a foundation. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only religion that is complete. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only religion that is complete. When we talk about complete, we're talking about all the aspects of life. Let me show you something in Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That is anything that is mentioned, anything that exists, anything that will ever make an impact on the, on the face of this earth, is in Christ. I was telling someone today, I said, you are complete in him. You are not complete away from God. And I was trying to explain to them that when God blesses you with anything in life, he's trying to make sure the aspect of your life that the enemy stole away something from, God is trying to put that thing back. And that is why Colossians were reading, were reading a Colossians says, you are complete in him. That means to say that out of Christ, no man is complete. 
So I go back to say that the gospel is the only religion that is complete in all aspects. Why is it complete? God talks about all the affairs of man. Yesterday, as I was studying, I found that the word Rapha, Jehovah Rapha, that word means that God is piecing together everything in your life that was torn apart. And we all know him as the healer. God cannot heal something that is not broken. When the scripture says, for God so loved the word that he sent, Anytime God makes a provision, know that there is something lacking in that thing. And because something is lacking in mankind, that was why God sent Jesus. Now, I will move one step further. There is a big difference between evangelism and soul winning. There is a big difference between evangelism and so winning. There is a difference. If you look at that word evangelism by definition, it means to spread the word. The word evangelism means to spread a good news. Evangelism simply means to spread the good news. In Matthew chapter 13, we are going to read some scriptures here tonight. Because the Bible says all scriptures are given by the inspiration of God. Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 12. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 1 to verse 12. If you notice, Jesus was explaining the mystery of the sower. I want to say to you that every person, whether a Christian or non-Christian, has what is called a seed. Inside of you, there is a seed. That seed might not be a godly seed. It might also, in a Christian, it might be a godly seed. To an unbeliever, it might be a seed of death. But note this. Every person born into this world carries a seed. And because we are the carriers of these seeds, God will not make you a carrier of seed if you know you cannot distribute that seed. That's why God makes us a carrier of the seed and also the sower of the seed. Now, I want you to look at this. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, the, you will notice that the Bible says, The same day when Jesus out out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitude were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, 
saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Verse 4. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and what? Devoured them up. Verse 5, he said, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith, they sprung up because they had what? No deepness of earth. Verse 6, and when the sun was up, they were what? Scourged. And because they had no root, they did what? The withered away. Verse 7. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up. And choked them. But others fell into good ground. And brought forth some. What? A hundredfold. And some what? Sixtyfold. And some what? Thirtyfold. Verse 9 says. Who had ears to hear, let him what? Let him hear. In verse 10, say, and the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Verse 11, he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know what? The mystery of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. In verse 12, he said, for whosoever had, to him shall be given. And he shall have more, what? Abundance. But whosoever had not, from him shall be taken away, even that he might, he what? He had. Every one of us have seeds. Our seeds are what God uses to establish others. If you notice here, the Bible makes reference about the sower going into the field. That's evangelism. And the field is the wall. Let me, let me dissect it. The sower is you. The field is the wall. But the Bible Categorically said there are four kinds of harvests that are there. Number one, there are ones that fall by the wayside. I'm going to explain what that means. It means that they received the seed, but they did not take their time out to develop the seed in them. I will call that that those are the ones that come to church for a wrong motive and Ataiwa backslides from faith. There is the second one, the one on stony places. Because when the sower goes to sow a seed, he just throws the seeds. Some do not fall on the soil, they fall on stones. And because it's a stony place, a stone does not have moisture to help that seed grow. So what happens? When the sun rises, it kills the seed. The third one are the ones that are sown on thorny grounds. What does that mean? Most times, when you receive the word of God, God has to separate you from some people. Because some people are anointed by the devil. 
to destroy the seed of God in you. That's why the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But the Bible said there is a last one that falls on the nice ground. What's what the nice ground? I mean, men and women whom after they have preached the word to, they lead them to a Bible-believing church where these factors are in place. The word of God is preached. Jesus is exalted. The Holy Ghost is given liberty. Without the liberty of the Holy Ghost, no man can be free. Now, this category of people are people that we see every day. But why is it that when you go out there to preach, your harvest don't come in? I will show you some things you need to know. That when you start to do them, it grows to become the seed that God uses. Now, I earlier said to us that evangelism is different from soul winning. So, let me define that word soul winning. Soul winning is God's divine ability. Soul winning is God's divine ability. To go after a lost sinner. To go after a lost sinner. With knowledge. God's wisdom. And spiritual warfare. I will repeat again. So winning is God's divine ability. To go after a lost soul with knowledge, God's wisdom, and spiritual warfare. If you, if you compare both between soul winning and evangelism, you will notice that there is a difference. Soul winners are people who go after a group of people or go after an individual and make sure that that individual turns around for God. Evangelism is the ability to go to an environment and release the seed. So if you look at it, there are two different things. So many of the time, the reason why God raised up the church is to practice both. To evangelize and to win souls. Because when the people know that Jesus is alive, they want to look for him. Because when they see the benefit and the blessings that he carries, they want to know what is in him. That's why Paul said, I want to know nothing about you but Jesus fully forming you. That's why I said that I might know him and the power of what? His resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. That I might be conforming. That means there must be something about Jesus. Now, if you look at both, you will notice that the church has done what is called evangelism. That a lot of people will know there is Jesus. But why is it that they have not come to the knowledge of truth? 
is because when we go back after those seeds, we go back with a different idea. Rather than going back to individually win them for Christ, we go back to one who preach. Now, soul winning is different from evangelism. It's very different. Because it carries three keys. Number one, knowledge. Number two, divine wisdom. And number three, spiritual warfare. I found out that knowledge cannot be gained until you know truth. In John chapter 3, verse 32, Jesus said, Ye shall know the truth. It is the truth you know. It's not the truth that others know. It is the one you know for a fact that sets you free. The truth you know is the truth that elevates you from darkness. It's the truth that you explain. Now, there are certain things in my life that I can say for a fact that I've gone through. I know this is true. Like when someone asks me, say, what is the hope of my salvation? The hope of my salvation is that one day when he comes, I shall be like him. That's my hope. And that's the reason why I do what I do. That's the reason why I put every bit of fiber of my being into it because I know when I shall see him, I shall be like him. Because the Bible tells me that that's the completion of all that I have done in my life. That's my hope. If you see the way I put it, hope means an expectation ahead, not my faith. My faith now is to get what belongs to me here. Amen, somebody. Knowledge, you need it. You need to know for a fact. Don't know by any accident because there are some people that know God by accident. When I'm talking about you know God by accident, I mean you don't know you for a fact and experience. When you know God by a fact and experience, it opens you for eternity forever. Somebody say amen. God's wisdom. If you are not wise, you cannot know how to navigate when it comes to soul winning. Because soul winning is very challenging. When I say very challenging, I mean you must know for a fact that what you are doing is capable and has the divine capacity to bring someone back to God. And that is why the Bible talks about wisdom. We need wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Then the, the third one it talks about is spiritual warfare. Many Christians don't know that sinners are Satan's property. If I say some of you say that's you blasphemous, you saying words that are it's the truth. I will show you a scripture. They are Satan's property. And how many of you know Satan does not let go his prisoners free? He doesn't want to leave you. He do, because he knows if he keeps you in that bondage, you will spend eternity with him. And that is why the Christian is always called to war. What is warfare? What is warfare? Warfare is the ability to stand in the gap. 
for somebody else who is in need of divine intervention. That's warfare. And a Christian that is not a prayerful Christian can never be God's warrior. A Christian that does not pray can never be God's warrior. Every child that is born into this world is born into, the, into sin. That means he, born, he is born into Satan's arm. That is why you see little children get stubborn. They get disobedient. They lie because they are Satan's property. Somebody say, oh, they are my little angel. They're not. They are in the image of God because they've not known evil. But the day evil is exposed to them, they become Satan's property. A child knows evil first before they know good. Because the world we live in is full of evil. Now, write this down. Every sinner has a soul. Every sinner has a soul. And the book Ezekiel says that the sinner's soul belongs to God. I'm going to show you. In Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 4. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 4. He said, behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinned, it shall die. That means even the soul of a sinner belongs to God. That's why when we go into warfare for the sinner... God knows what it takes to unlock that soul. God has what it takes. God has all. I'm going to show you this scripture. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. Romans 3 23. Everyone that is born into this world was born into sin. Look at what it says. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and what? And come short of what? The glory of God. All, not one. Everyone have sinned. That's the reason why God is sending us out there to win them. Because that soul has sinned. Until that soul comes to a full understanding. That I am a sinner. I am lost. I cannot be found. I need God. That soul will end in hell. No matter how little that soul is. No matter how much that soul has done. There was as a matter of fact when I begin to teach you. How to go, go after a backsliding Christian. You will know how, how important for you to go after them. Because... Let me tell you something. Anytime you overlook somebody that is backsliding, it is literally saying that you are ignoring the grace of God. And God is saying to you, that same thing might happen to you. But if you go after them, the Bible says you have covered a multitude of sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. These are familiar 
scriptures that we know. Look at what it says, Romans 6.23. Here, it talks about the wages of sin is death. Now, you might be wondering, say, what are the wages? Sin, the word sin means missing the mark. That means that God is saying that because you missed the mark, I will pay you for missing it. That's to everyone, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that missed that mark will go, will be paid. He said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, who? Our Lord. Christ has made provision for the sinner. He has made provision. When I'm talking about provision, I mean that everything the sinner needs is there. You see, one of the great things about the kingdom of God is this. God made provision for you before we are born. He made that provision because he knows one day he is going to judge the earth based on those provisions he made for you. I, when I was telling someone, someone was asking me this question. He said, are you saying that based on all the things that God has done, he will judge us? Yes, he will judge you according to what he has made provision for. Now, let me make a definition here. There is a difference between sin, iniquity, and transgression. There is a difference between sin, iniquity, and transgression. There's a big difference. I will be talking about that next week, but I'm just I'm laying foundation for how evangelism works. There is a difference between sin, transgression, and iniquity. Now, somebody might ask you, say, but why am I a sinner? Why am I a sinner? If we open your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Paul here was explaining in details. Telling each and every one of us. That this sin he's talking about are sins that we inherited. From our fathers. From our first father, Adam and Eve. The human race started with Adam and Eve. In Romans chapter 5 verse 12, I want you to pay, pay attention. It says, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. You see that? That it was through Adam's transgression that the whole world came into the bondage of sin. He said, for that all have what? Have sinned. In verse 13, he said, for until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is what? No law. That is, God is saying that I am a straightforward God. If you do anything that is crooked, you are breaking my law. In verse 14, he said, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. 
even over them that had not seen. That is, nobody in this world will say, I have not committed the sin. And that is, you see, that's the reason why some people say, well, I'm a righteous person. I, I, I don't lie. There are people who don't lie for real. There are people who don't do some certain things that we call sin. But the Bible says you are not excluded. Because your genetics, you inherited the sin that Adam committed. So that is saying that no man is excused from Adamic sin. 